My mother told me that there weren't monsters under my bed or hidden inside my closet. But she never warned me that sometimes monsters come dressed not as my enemies, but as those closest to me. I just want to say thank you for betraying me. Welcome. Great to have you guys here today. Thanks for joining us. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Today we're continuing in our series called Thank You for Betraying Me. Most people would probably not want to send a thank you note that looks like that, but the truth is we could. Most of us have had some kind of betrayal in our life, or maybe you're going through one now, and I believe at the end of it you'll be thanking them because God uses that in your life in a very profound way. We're going to talk about that today. Today's message is called The Silver Lining of Betrayal because there is a silver lining to it, believe it or not. And so if you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to talk about a group of people that have been regularly betrayed again and again throughout history, the Israelites. I mean, there's not a group of people that have been more betrayed and also more blessed at the same time. And believe it or not, that goes together. It's like a dual track. The more blessed you are, the more betrayal you deal with at the same time. And so just want to encourage you as you look at that, think about your life. I bet the times that you were having your greatest successes also were the times when you're also having your greatest betrayals. So they typically go together. And so let's unpack that today. If you got your Bibles, again, turn to Exodus chapter 6. Let's say our mission statement together, though. What are we here as a church to do? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die Period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. So let me just tell you a quick story. So basically, Israel, we, we think of Israel as a nation, but Israel actually started off as a family. It was, the, 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 uh, it was God was the father of, uh, the, the, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, uh, being the grandson of Abraham, then has 12 kids. They become the 12 tribes of Israel because Jacob's name is changed to Israel. So that's how we get Israel, Okay. And so out of those kids, the youngest name was Joseph. Joseph was the one that all the other brothers betrayed. Joseph was then shipped out. They sold him into slavery. He ended up in Egypt, where through a succession of events, actually a succession of betrayals, actually, he ended up in front of the king, and he ended up saving all of Egypt because of a massive famine, and he organized the, 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 uh, the, the saving of the whole nation by saving a portion of Um, of their GDP, basically, of the gross domestic product of Egypt, so that they would have something when everything uh, basically turned to crap, basically, I don't know how else to say it, it just turned horrible, Uh, and and all of the the famine hit so hard that all of the Middle East came to buy grain from Joseph through Egypt. So he basically made Egypt rich, he saved Egypt, and the king was grateful for him. Well, then Joseph's brothers came to see him. Uh, They didn't know it was him because he was so different at that point because he's so powerful. They just never expected it. He says, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. They freaked out. They are reconciled. And he goes to the Pharaoh and says, hey, Pharaoh, my family has come to see me. They didn't know I was still alive. You know, and Pharaoh says, oh, my gosh, Joseph, we're so grateful for you and all you've done for us. Please invite your family to come to Egypt and we will take care of them. That was a promise that Pharaoh made. So they said, he said, we're going to give you, he said, I'm going to give you my best land of all of Egypt. So the area is called Goshen. He said, bring your family or the whole clan and they can stay there. We will take care of you, which they did for a generation. Then the next Pharaoh comes into power after Joseph's gone, after the brothers have died off. And this, this Pharaoh did not know who Joseph was. He did not know the stories of old of how Joseph saved all them. So he did not feel compelled to help Israel at all. In fact, he said, hey, these Israelites are really multiplying. There's getting to be too many of them. Let's enslave them. So the very government who said, we will take care of you, now enslaved them, 
right? And so that should be a good lesson in history, by the way, when governments say they will take care of you. Keep that in mind, okay? And so basically, at this point, they are enslaved now. And so hundreds of years later, they cry out to God, say, God, we're so miserable. Lord, would you please save us from this oppression? And God raised up a guy named Moses, most of you know the story, who tried to set them free, failed the first time, ended up in the middle of nowhere where he met his wife and family. God got a hold of him in a huge way through the burning bush, blah, blah, blah. I'm really summarizing a massive story here. And then he comes back to, to, uh, to, to Egypt because God says, set the people free. He goes to the Pharaoh. Uh, God told me to tell you this is, that, that this slavery is wrong. You know that's not what you're supposed to do. These are God's people. Set them free. Pharaoh says, fat chance. So he then says, okay, but you need to know my God is powerful. I don't care about your God. I don't know your God, Moses. And so then God speaks to Moses after God makes it harder. By the way, after the, I'm sorry, Pharaoh makes it harder. He says, oh, really? You're going you're to talk to me like this? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not only going to continue to enslave all your people, but I'm going to give them less resources. So now I need more bricks, less straw. So I'm going to give them less to work with, and I expect more work from them. So he made it harder. He, he squeezed them harder, right? Made them even more miserable. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're feeling the squeeze from being betrayed by someone, you know, and, and you've appealed to them, and your appeal is not working, right? So God says, uh, so God says to, to, to Moses, Tell the people I'm about to prove to them that I am their God and I will set them free. And so let's pick up in Scripture because there's this succinct section in Exodus chapter 6 where God kind of spells out the silver lining of what they're going through about what God's going to do for them. And I believe the same silver lining that, that for their betrayal is also silver lining to you and my betrayal as well. And so let's look at that today. Let's look at Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. He says, he's going to be so miserable. When I'm done with him, he's going to beg you to leave, right? And so the first thing you need to know is this, number one, betrayal leads to seeing miracles in your life. So we don't think about it this way. We just think about the hard time we're going through, the difficulty, how this person's being a jerk to us. Someone left you, you got laid off or fired, or someone turned on you at the office, or someone you trusted, you found out you couldn't trust, right? And so the good news about all of that bad news is that it's through that that you see miracles in your life. And a miracle is just where God does something uh, special that's unexplainable other than the hand of God. And so that's when we see these miracles in our life is when we're in that pinch, in that miserable spot is where God does his greatest miracles in our lives. There's a true story of Dr. Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary way back in the day in, in Zaire. And uh, as she was, uh, she was a missionary, she had basically a medical mission as well as an orphanage all in one place uh, there in Zaire. And so one day a, a woman had come in to give birth to her child. She died during childbirth. And the baby was barely alive, still barely making it. She knew they needed to make some kind of makeshift incubator. And if you're in the middle of nowhere, the way you do that is with a hot water bottle. And then you put it next to the baby and uh, try to cover the baby up as much as you can without suffocating the child so that the baby has the best chance to live. That's how you do that. Well, they did not have a hot water bottle. And so she did what she only needed to do was to pray. She gathered a bunch of these little girls from the orphanage that she had uh, started there in Zaire and said, girls, we need to pray for a miracle. This mommy died and her baby's barely alive and the older sister's now lonely because she misses her mother. She's very devastating. We need to pray for them. So she gathered these little bitty girls. And you know how little kids have a simple faith? Well, one of the little girls said, may I pray? And she said, of course. And so she's thinking it's going to be, you know, a general type of prayer. But this little girl in her simple faith prays very specifically, 
for what they need. And so she begins to pray in the beautiful accent of Zaire. She says, dear God, and she says, please be with this baby. Do not let this baby die. And then she prays this beautiful prayer, but it's so simple and so direct that the missionary got nervous. She's like, oh, no, this is not good. This is going to create expectation here, right? Because she says, dear God, please give us a water bottle, a hot water bottle today. And please also give a baby doll for the older sister who is lonely. The missionary's like, oh, this is not good. This is too specific. So she's trying to cover for God. You ever do that? She's trying to cover God. Okay, Lord, whatever you do, we trust you, God. You know, like she's trying to like make excuses for why this is probably not going to happen because these little girl, they're, they're, they're listening to this prayer and they're like, well, God's going to provide that. And so all of a sudden, the courier of the day comes in like normal, bringing the mail. But this particular day, the courier has a huge package. And so she looks at the package and the little girl looks at the package and says, that's from God. God is providing and so she's like, oh, okay, I mean, yes, the Lord provides. We're not exactly sure what's in the package. She's trying to make up every excuse for God, right? Don't we do this? As adults, we try to make excuses for God rather than just trusting in him. And so she begins to open the package. All the little girls gather around, and, and, and they're waiting to see if a water bottle, a hot water bottle, is in this package. Well, she's digging through it, and this is a package from five months earlier from England. It takes a long, this is way back in the day. It takes a long time to get a package shipped all the way to Zaire. And so she's opening up, she's going through this stuff, and there's all kinds of clothes and different items, different, different supplies and so forth. At the bottom of the box, sure enough, guess what? There's a hot water bottle. And so the little girl, you know, being all excited, they, they begin to cheer and get excited. But then the little girl says, well, I bet there's going to be a baby doll in there too. And so again, she's like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, she's just like, really? She's like, well, maybe there is, maybe there is. You know, she's trying to come up with all these reasons, you know, kind of cover for God, right? You know, that kind of thing. Sure enough, she digs through there and there is a baby doll as well. The girls go nuts. I mean, they're like, wow, look at how God just provided five months earlier. In the same way, if we will just have simple childlike faith and ask for what we need, you need to know this. Before you even ask it, God has already sent the resource you need months in advance of you even asking for it. That's how good our God is. God provides for you. God takes care of you. That's what God does for you and me. Betrayal leads to seeing miracles in your life. Look at Exodus chapter 6, verse 2. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh the Lord. Now, God tells us his name very specifically. I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. And so he says, hey, my name is Yahweh, and here's the covenant. This is the terms of the agreement I made with your ancestors. But notice he says, I didn't tell them my name. They knew me as God Almighty, but you know me as Yahweh. Yahweh is much more personal. And so this is, this is the God who saves. It's very personal. And so what happens is when you're going through difficulty, God goes from being God Almighty, this big distant God, to being a very personal God. It's the difference between praying, God, please be with me today, and Lord, bless this food, right? Stuff like that that we pray, to saying, God, I need you now. It's personal, isn't it? All of a sudden, God gets really personal in our lives. And it says here, he reaffirmed his covenant. His covenant was what? It's his word. And so number two, betrayal makes God's word come alive to you. 
Betrayal makes God's word come alive to you. Going through difficulty, it's one thing to read God's word. It's another thing to dig into God's word because you need a word from God because you're going through something. God, I need to hear from you now because I'm in a mess. I'm in a struggle. I need to hear from you, God. And when you pray like that with an open Bible and read his word, God will speak to you through his word. You know, so many times we, we find ourselves complaining to other people about our problem rather than going to God's word. I want to encourage you to go to God's word instead of complaining to others about what you're struggling with. Instead of talking about who's hurting you, go to God and talk to him about it and pray about it and, and seek his word and God will speak to you. Martin Luther one time said, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. To have prayed well is to have studied well. Because he understood that God speaks to us through his word. And so most of what God has to tell us is already written. And so dig into his word if you're going through a betrayal, a struggle. Seek the Lord and he will speak to you. Hey, next week I want to encourage you to be here. We're continuing the series on betrayal. In fact, next week's message is, is going to be a, a surprise to most people what we're talking about. But I just want to tell you right now, because it's going to shock you, the title of the message is actually called, What to Do When You Feel Like Jesus Betrayed You. See, most of us don't want to talk about that. We're like, whoa, whoa, isn't that bad? Isn't that sacrilegious to say that? Well, if you were John the Baptist, you may have felt that way. And so we're going to talk about him because he really wanted Jesus to come save him, and it doesn't look like he did. And so when we look at the scripture, it may surprise you. And most of us don't want to talk about this because we feel like we're not trusting in God by saying that. Lord, I was just kidding. Just, I was just kidding. <laughs> We get nervous about talking about that, but most of us have had a disappointment where we ask God for something and it seems like he didn't come through. So what do you do when, it, when you feel like God didn't come through for you? And I know it didn't say Jesus did betray you, but what do you do when you feel like he did? So be sure to be here next week as we talk about that because John the Baptist dealt with this. And since we're talking about John the Baptist too, we thought let's baptize people because he baptized Jesus. And so we're going to have a big baptism next weekend. A lot of people have already signed up. I want to challenge you. In fact, if you'd like to get baptized, we'd love to baptize you next week. There's a form in your bulletin. You can take that out and fill that out and drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by in a little while, whatever campus you're at. We're baptizing at all campuses next weekend. It's going to be really powerful. And for those of you who say, well, I don't need to get baptized because I've already, I was already baptized as an infant. I totally get that. Here's the thing. If you were baptized as an infant, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong at all. It's a great thing. It's a great church tradition. It's a great family tradition. It's just that it's not found in here. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about getting baptized as an infant. Nothing wrong with it. Again, I don't want to make it, I don't want to, you know, somehow leave you with a feeling that we're trashing your beliefs or what you grew up like. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's, it can be a beautiful ceremony. But the Bible talks about being baptized after you have personally received Christ. And so we want to challenge you to, to do what we call biblical baptism, which is the way the Bible teaches it. So even if you got baptized as an infant, I want to encourage you to get baptized next week. If you prayed that prayer at the end of our services where you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that's personally embracing your faith. And the Bible says after you've done that, it says in, in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. And then after that, you make them a disciple, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's after that that we do it. And so here's what you do. I want to challenge you to invite your friends and your family. Call your mom up, your grandma up, say, hey, I want you to come to my baptism. They're going to say to you, well, you already got baptized. I was at your baptism when you were a baby. And you can say to them, I know, and I want to thank you for the faith foundation you gave me. And I have now personally embraced my faith, and I want to invite you to come be a part of it. Does that make sense? You see how positive that was? You don't come up and go, well, you guys got it all wrong. No, please don't do that. That will not go well. Okay, don't do that. They didn't get it wrong. They did with what they knew to do. Did you get that? They did right with what they were told. And so, but 
we, you say, hey, Grandma, I, I know, thank you for that. Thank you for raising me in the church, but I have personally embraced my faith. I just want you to be a part of this and support me. Would love to have you and the family come out. It's going to be a great moment. I want to encourage you to invite your friends, invite your family. It's going to be really, really special. And so be sure to bring them here. I promise you I'm not going to correct them, so don't worry about that. I'm not going to do that. I would never do that. And so we just want to help you embrace your faith and go public with it about the decision you made to trust Christ. So next week, please not only come, fill out the form, come early, be ready to get baptized, and bring your friends and family. It's going to be a great moment. You're not going to, we already have over 250 just at the campus I'm at alone signed up. We're going to probably have three to 500 or more get baptized across all of our campuses. It's going to be a really powerful weekend. You do not want to miss next weekend. It's going to be really, really powerful. Don't miss. It's going to be great. So next week, what to do when you feel like Jesus betrayed you as well as baptism. We can be sure to be here for that. Exodus chapter 6 verse 5 goes on to say this. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. God says, let them know that I am their God and I will free them. He says, I heard their groans. You ever groaned in your prayer? That's next level, man. That's serious prayer right there. You're like, God, I'm going through it. God, this is just, mm, this is difficult. I'm really hurting. I'm I'm in pain, God. I I don't know what to do. This, This person really has hurt me. They've really offended me. They've really turned against me. I'm being betrayed. The people of Israel are like, we trusted you. You invited us to your country, and then you enslaved us? Wow, talk about betrayal. So they literally were groaning to God, and God heard their groans. God hears your groans too. He says, let the people know, I heard their groans, and I will deliver them. Number three, betrayal leads to prayer and deliverance. You know, as I was writing this message, I just felt led, as I was writing this, to stop in the middle of the service and just pray. Maybe you're really dealing with a difficult situation right now, and you don't know what to do, and you need to groan before the Lord. Can we just stop and pray right now as a church and just give you an opportunity, whatever you're facing right now, just to cry out to God. Would you bow your heads with me right now? We're just going to pray across all of our campuses, and maybe today your prayers is to say, God, I am hurting. God, I need to hear from you. I don't know what to do about this situation. They have really hurt me. I feel like I've been stabbed in the back. I'm really going through it, God. I need you to comfort me. I need your peace right now in the middle of this mess. Let God know. And you'll discover a God who loves you, who hears your groans, who is saying to you today, I am your God, and I will come through for you. God, thank you that you hear our prayers. You even hear our groans. We are hurting. God, we don't know what to do but we trust you, Lord. We don't know why this is happening to us, but we know that you're still our God. And so we call out to you now as your people. Lord, you tell us your word that you are our God and that you will deliver us. So we ask you, Lord, to deliver us from this difficulty. Deliver us from this betrayal. Deliver us through this divorce. Deliver us through this this, this layoff, this firing. Deliver us through this backstabbing we're facing. We trust you, God. We don't know why this is happening, but we thank you, Lord, that you do, and you have a plan for our lives. So we trust our lives. We give you our hurt, our pain, our trial, 
our betrayal. We trust this in your hands. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Can we just trust and thank God right now that we can trust him? We can trust him. You can trust the Lord. He will come through for you. Listen to this great quote. Listen, listen, this is powerful. Listen to this. I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. You know who said that? Abraham Lincoln. Now, if a guy who was arguably the greatest president we've ever had in our history is saying, I don't know what to do. I am driven to my knees. God, please show me. If he can say that, then don't you think you and I can say that too? Then we can admit that we need God and we don't always have the right answers. You don't have to know what to do. You just got to know the one who does. And just seek him. He will guide you. He will lead you. There was a college philosophy professor that loved to always talk people out of their faith. He loved this. He enjoyed it. It It's what he did. And so in his philosophy class, at the beginning of the semester, he would always say, now students, those of you who are Christians here, those of you who are believers in a God, by the end of this class, you will finally know that there really is no God. And he loved to teach this. And he just loved to mess with Christians that came to his class. It was the only philosophy professor at this small college, so they all had to go to his class if they were going to need that hours for their degree. And so he, every semester, would teach this, and he taught, you know, he just liked to poke holes in everyone's belief systems, and when they got to Christianity, he just went at it hard. And every semester, he would, at this one point in his, in his uh, you know, talks, he would, he would kind of have like a crescendo moment where he'd bring out a stool, set it down, and he would stand up, and he would say, if there is a God, then I challenge that God to knock me off of this stool. I'm waiting. And he would sit there and just, oh, the the Christians were so frustrated having to listen to this guy. But what could they do? He was a professor. So every year, every semester, he did this over and over again. This particular semester, he got to this crescendo in in his talk, and he put the stool out, and he stood on it, and he held his textbook up, and he said, once again, I'd like to say, if there is a God, then I challenge him to knock me off of the stool and prove his existence right now. I'm waiting. And right when he said that, his door was open, and there was a student walking by that heard him say this. That student happened to be new to the school, happened to be a former Marine that was there on the GI Bill. He heard this. He set his books down and charged at this guy, knocking him across the room. His books fly over, his glasses fly off. He can't believe what happened. He got up and he said, what was that all about? And the guy said, God told me he was busy, but he sent me. I love Marines. The truth is, is that God always proves himself when you need him. Right when you need God to come through for you, I am here to declare to you today that whatever you're facing, God will come through for you. He is that good. He will come through for you. You can trust in the Lord. He is there for you. William Barclay Said, said it this way. He said, when you pray, remember these three things. This is brilliant. He said, remember these three things. The love of God that wants the best for us. When you pray, remember that God's love wants the best for you. Remember two, God's wisdom knows what's best for you. And number three, God's power will accomplish it. And they're good to know that when you pray, don't pray defeated prayers. Oh God, if you're really there, he is there. 
oh God, if you don't mind, God wants to be involved. We act like God is some nonchalant, distant figure. When he is in your life, he loves you. He's there for you. When you pray, pray boldly. God, I know you're going to come through. I know you're going to take care of this. Pray bold prayers and trust in the Lord. He will come through for you. Alexander the Great had a philosopher that worked for him in his court. Brilliant guy, helped him through a lot of situations. But the philosopher did not earn a lot of money and he struggled financially. He was not smart with his money. One day he was having a conversation with the philosopher and there was a real openness between them in this moment. And the philosopher just said, you know, I'm really struggling. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've just, I'm, I have a lot of financial problems. And Alexander the Great said, well, you do a lot for me. You do a lot for this court. And so I want to invite you to go to the treasurer and let them know what your need is and we will help you. We will give you a gift. He said, are you sure? He said, I'm absolutely sure. He said, upon my authority, go to the treasurer right away. So he goes to the treasurer, and the treasurer didn't know this was coming. He said, Alexander the Great has sent me and, and told me I can ask for a gift because I am in financial need. He said, okay, well, how much do you need? And the amount the man said was the equivalent of U.S. dollars of $50,000. It was a huge amount of money. So the treasurer was like, whoa, okay, I didn't expect you to ask for that much. I need to get this cleared. So he goes to Alexander the Great and says, sir... One of the philosophers came by. He says, yes, I know about the situation. He goes, well, he asked for a certain amount of money, and I wanted to double check with you. He says, well, how much did he ask for? And he told him the amount. Alexander the Great said, pay him immediately. He said, are you sure? He said, yes, he's done me a huge favor today. But he, he, he is, he's given me a great compliment because number, he's done two things. First of all, he believes we have it. And number two, he believes I'm generous enough to give it. So he immediately paid him. So here's the truth. Is that that's just a man but when you go to God and you ask boldly for what you need, for your, you let him know your situation, you ask for the full amount of what you need, you're saying to God, I believe you have it and that you're a generous God. We forget to go to God boldly. The Bible says very clearly, go to the Lord boldly with your requests and ask for what you need. So if you're in the middle of a mess, if you're in the middle of a betrayal, if you're in a real struggle right now, ask God for exactly what you need and see if our God does not come through for you. He is a big God, he is a generous God, and he loves you and he will take care of you. So boldly ask him for what you need. The third thing, the, the, the third thing betrayal leads to prayer and deliverance. Number four. It's very important. Exodus chapter 6, verse 7 says this, and we'll wrap it up. Exodus 6, verse 7 says, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression, your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Wow. I, sorry, I, I got to say this. I, this is not any of my other sermons. Wow, God just really showed me something, just spoke to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Wow. He, didn't, he doesn't say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, because he changed Jacob's name to Israel. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, let me tell you why that matters. I'm, wow, this is just good. This God's just giving this right. Sometimes it's cool when God gives you a sermon as you're preaching it. You see, Jacob's name was changed to Israel because Jacob meant that he was slippery, meant that he was a deceiver. But Israel meant that he was a prince of God. God says here, this is so cool. He, he says, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you. And then he refers to you and I. He refers to our name as who we used to be. He says, I know who you were, and I'm still going to bless you. Isn't that good? Does that make you feel good today to know that? He says, yeah, I know about all that. I'm still going to bless you. 
Wow, that's just good. God just gave me that right here in the spot. That's just, that was not for any other service, but this one. Someone here need to know that God knows exactly what you've done, and you are forgiven, and you're still a prince of God. No good to know that? He loves you. He really does. But this is important. He says, he says to them, hey, let them know, Moses, that, that I'm not just going to get them out of Egypt. I'm going to get them to my promised land I have for them. This is important. You see, we oftentimes are praying about that betrayal, saying, oh, Lord, that person left me. Bring them back. God's, God's saying to you today, I'm not trying to restore what was not good to begin with. I'm trying to give you something better than you've ever had before. It's improved. It's better than anything you've ever had. Oh, God, give me back my old job. God's like, I'm not going to give you back the old job. I'm going to give you a new, better job. I'm going to give you a new, better situation. I'm trying to give you something. We're not, we're not going back. We're going forward in our lives. God does not take you back. He takes you forward to something new in your life that he has for you, a preferred destiny, a preferred future known as the promised land. What does this mean? Number four, betrayal is often God's vehicle to reposition you. It's often God's vehicle to reposition you. Let's just be honest here. You would not be who you're with now if the person you used to be with didn't betray you. You would not be in the job you have now if the job that you used to have, someone didn't betray you. You would not be at this church if it wasn't for the fact that someone at the old church betrayed you. You would not be in this position in your life if it wasn't for that fact that something in the last position you had didn't work out. And so God repositions us. We don't like this, but let me tell you something. Betrayal is the gift nobody wants. But it is a gift because it repositions you for what God has next. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, which repositioned him through slavery to end up in Egypt. You think he would have chose that? Absolutely not. But the position him to get to Egypt, then he got betrayed again by Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife ended up in prison. He got betrayed by those in prison, ended up in front of the king over time, and then he met the need of the king, and then God positioned him to save all of Egypt. Through the succession of betrayals, God was continually repositioning Joseph to get him to his destiny. Judas betrayed Jesus and ended up, he ended up going uh, before the Sanhedrin, which is the religious court, and basically said, I'll sell Jesus out to you for some silver. He did that, and then he sold him out. He ended up in front of the high court, of the religious high court. Then they lied on him. They, 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 made up evidence that wasn't really there. And so now he, they said, you're guilty. That took him before Pilate. Pilate was supposed to be someone who kept the peace. And guess what? He washed his hands of him. He betrayed him. So Judas betrayed him. The high court betrayed him. Pilate betrayed him. Ended up in front of the Romans. The Romans betrayed him, sold his clothes, beat him, hung him on the cross. And through that, it positioned him to become the savior of the world. A series and succession of betrayals leads you to your destiny. Your betrayals are not supposed to stop you. You thought they were throwing you to the wayside. They didn't know they were throwing you forward into God's plan. He had a plan all along. Your betrayal is not going to stop you. It's going to bless you. It's going to position you for something and someone greater. That's how God rolls. He takes care of you. He knows what he's doing. Isn't that good? Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just sense that there's some anguish in the room. I just sense that some of you are really struggling right now. And I want you to know that God loves you. And he knows what you're going through. And he has a plan that's bigger and better than you could ever dream. He loves you. He's aware. And he wants you to feel his loving touch right now. 
His hands are wrapped around you saying, I love you. I have a plan for your life. It's going to be not just okay. It's going to be better than okay. That's how God works. He's got an amazing plan for you. God loves you so much, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. He rose again, proving that he is God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray and you can receive Christ right now by praying this very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with us? We're going to pray it out loud together. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.